0: So, Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All right, let's give our attention to God's Word. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. With whom I am well pleased. The grass withers, flowers fade away, the word of our God stands forever. So let's pray before we talk about it further tonight. Heavenly Father, these are your words. And so we ask, Lord, we plead with you to come and teach them through your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would show us something of the year of Jubilee that you have have already brought and are bringing to completion in the person and work of Jesus Christ, that you are in him putting everything back the way that it should be. So Father, we pray that we would see a little of that tonight as we talk about um, relationships and dating. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, like I did with our our first uh, part one of dating, let me give credit to uh, a friend of mine and and fellow campus minister, Les Newsom. I'm taking a lot of what we're talking about tonight from a really a paper, I guess you could say, that he's written that I will actually put on our website if you want to read it. Um, And again, another sort of brief apology or a little explanation that uh, last week or two weeks ago and this week, our discussions on dating are a little bit different than what we normally do at RUF, uh, which is uh, normally what we do is take the Bible, open it, uh, and basically see what the Scriptures have to tell us, right? Uh, Take a text of Scripture and, uh, and unpack it. And when we begin to talk about dating, uh, in a sense, we have to take a different approach, because the Bible doesn't really talk about dating specifically, Um, and so what we've done and and are doing is to take a couple passages of Scripture and draw some general principles from them to try to apply them to the area of what we call dating, and try to uh, form a little wisdom about about dating and our relationships. So that's what we're doing. So that means that what we're going to talk about tonight, as was the case a couple weeks ago, is much more along the lines of uh, it's a wisdom issue, right? Uh, you can Reasonable minds can differ on a lot of these things. It's not so much a, a thus says the Lord. So uh, basically, if you want to disagree with me, that's okay. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So last week, we did, or two weeks ago, we started our discussion on dating by looking at the same passage, and we basically drew two main principles, right? We, uh, we, the first thing that we said is that we see in our passage that God exists as what theologians call in the Trinity, right? One God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that he's in perfect relationship with himself. He always has been and always will be. Perfect relationship in his own being. And since we are made in his image, being made in the image of God, being in relationship, the desire to be in meaningful relationship with other people is built into who we are. It's fundamental to us as, as humans. And then the second principle that we, that we talked about was that God's relationship to himself in the Trinity has clear definition um, his, his relationship to each person, his relationship to himself in each person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, each role, I guess you could say, is clearly defined. And so we said last time that, therefore, our relationships, particularly, you know, we're talking about dating relationships, are going to beg for that same sort of definition, we want, to, we want to be able to define them and know what's, what's going on. And so this week, I want to add, I guess, a third principle. It's sort of just a, another application, I guess you could say, of the first two, but we'll call it a third principle. Um, and it's this, that seeing those defined relationships in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, um, that... With those definitions come certain, I guess you could say actions or behaviors that are appropriate to each definition. And we touched on this last time, but theologians say that, uh, they put it this way, that God the Father is the eternally begetting one. He eternally begets or fathers the Son. Uh, God the Son, Jesus Christ, is the eternally begotten one, and the Holy Spirit is is the is the eternally proceeding one. He eternally proceeds from the Father and the Son. Okay? Now what does all that mean? All that goes to say The principle that I want to draw is this: that I think it's fair to say because of what what we see here that the definition of a relationship necessarily indicates what actions or behavior are appropriate in it. Okay? Does that make sense? Um, just flip it around. The, the actions or behavior that are appropriate to an, a relationship are dictated by the definition of that relationship. Alright, so let's take that from the abstract and, and try to make that make sense. Think about the fact if I went, you took me home, uh, I, we went to meet your parents. Okay? Um, and... We arrive at wherever we are, and you know, we're going to meet your dad. And you're going to walk up to your dad, presumably, if you love your dad, and you're going to hug him and say, you're going to call him dad, and you're going to say maybe say, I love you. And that would be appropriate, right? Because you're their son or daughter. Father-child relationship. Now, if I, you know, as soon as that unfolded, if I immediately threw my arms around your dad and hugged him, and said, I love you too, Dad. That would be weird, right? And that's kind of a silly illustration, but why would that be weird? Because those actions are out of step with the definition of our relationship. He and I are not father and son, right? We're more like peers, I guess. Um, and you, you just don't do that. Um, you get the idea, right? Um, there are certain actions appropriate to the definition of uh, employer to employee, to teacher to student. Um, A lot of these that we know just sort of intuitively. Um, So our actions have to be in accord with the definition of our relationship. So the relationship that we're going to talk about tonight for a few minutes is dating. So we need to continue to explore the concept of (laughs) what is dating, right? What is the relationship? How do we define it to know how to act appropriately? Makes sense? And so uh, our second point is exactly that. I think there are three possible definitions that a single guy and a single girl's relationship can fall into. I think that you would have to grant that these are the only three. Right. The first one, uh, possible options... Between a single guy and a single girl is that they could be friends, right? Purely friends. And that seems like an easy one to define, but generally is a little bit more complicated than that. I think part of it is that we use the term friends um, in different ways, right? That if you got told, um, basically, when you get told, you know, I really think that uh, we should just be friends, right? It basically means something like, ugh, you know, not in a million years, right? Um, and so I think that somewhat skews our understanding of it. But um, the basic idea, right, of the, the friend's definition between a single guy and a single girl is that at least one of the parties doesn't have any intention for that relationship to advance any further uh, than with, um, if you're a Christian, uh, another brother or sister in Christ. If you're not a Christian, uh, with maybe a biological brother or sister. You don't have any intention of that relationship going any further than that, right? Um, in its most basic form, and so you 're just friends and so i want to I want to sort of take a quick tangent about that to give one application um, so if you 're in that definition right of, of this person falls under the friend definition, the dreaded friend category. Um, then the behavior or actions in that relationship have to line up with that definition, right? That's our premise tonight. And so that means that to call somebody a friend and then engage in really any sort of sexual activity with them is inappropriate. And I don't mean inappropriate in the sense of like, good girls and boys don't do that kind of thing. I mean inappropriate in the sense of it's, it's incompatible, it's, it's out of step, right? If what, if what you're saying about your relationship is that you're just friends, then to engage in some sort of sexual activity is out of step with that. Um, so basically the whole idea, I don't know if people still call it this, but you know, the whole friends with benefits idea, whatever it is you want to call it, that concept is inherently flawed. And it's only going to result in, in dysfunction. Now, why is that the case? Um, that's the case because of how God designed sex. And so I want to take just these two minutes to talk about sex for just a second. We're going to actually spend the the next two weeks, I guess, I think our last two times together, um, talking specifically about sex. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll flesh it out more then. I've been waiting all week for that. But I want to talk about it just a little bit here, um, Why is that out of step with the definition of friendship? Because of the way that God designed sex. Okay? It was God's idea, right? That might freak you out, but it's just the case. You know, you've probably heard a zillion times that, you know, Christians believe that sex before marriage is wrong, right? You've heard that a zillion times, but have you ever thought, have you ever stopped to think, why is that the case? I mean, is it just that God. You know, made up some sort of arbitrary rule, uh, like, all right, I'm gonna make one that's kind of really hard to follow and, and just, you know, see how that plays out. Not now, see who's really serious about it, right? No, that's not why. So, what's the deal? God designed sex in such a way that it's, a, that it's actually a living illustration, I think would be a fair word, of what's true about two people that are married. That makes sense. That, that the sex act itself is actually a, a visible representation, a, a physical manifestation of what's true about two people that are married, right? Two people that have committed their lives together, that have bound their lives together to one another. They, they've brought the totality of their lives together. And so they've actually, they've really become one um, you know, financially emotionally, um, psychologically, spiritually, in so many ways, right? Two lives that have, that have been brought together, bound to one another, and become one. And obviously, uh, that's, again, fleshed out, manifested in, in, the, in the act itself, right? Um, and so what that means is really that sex, outside the context of marriage, is not wrong just because it's wrong, It's wrong because it's a lie, right? Because you're actually saying something with your bodies, whether you intend to or not. You're actually saying something with your bodies and really creating a bond that communicates something that's actually not true about you. You're basically saying, I am committed to you. I will be there for you. I've bound myself in every way to you when, in fact, you haven't. Right? And the same is true of, of dating couples, right? Couples that aren't married. Um, so it's actually, it's a lie. And it's not going to do anything ultimately but create dysfunction and problems. Uh, listen to Paul in First Corinthians 7.16 says, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. Yeah. So there you have it. That that sexuality, that sex in and of itself communicates something, again, whether you intend to or not, um, that's actually just not true of your relationship. And so there's, there's going to be problems that result. Okay. Set that aside talk about it more later. You can be friends. Secondly, or B, you can be engaged, right? Second option is that a single guy and a single girl can decide... That they want to, they want to get married. That they want to bind their lives together in that way, and they begin immediately to make uh, plans to bring that to reality, right? And this is probably the most straightforward of the three definitions. It's it's pretty clear cut. Um, the couples made a conscious, mutual decision that they want to that they want to make the ultimate definition of their relationship one of, of true commitment. Right? And so, yeah, I think it would be fair to say that commitment has actually has entered the relationship now. And we should talk about that more later, that if you notice what I said, that when you're engaged, commitment has now entered the relationship. Not commitment gone up a little. But commitment entered the relationship, but I'll make a big deal of that later maybe. Um, and I have have a note to to make an application about the concept of the indefinite engagement which I've never encountered until I moved to Kentucky and are y'all familiar with this right I mean and maybe some of your like your brothers and sisters are engaged indefinitely or you are and I'm sorry but um, are people you know just where you say like yeah we're we're engaged we're going to get married well oh when's the day oh yeah we're not sure like four or five years from now I honestly don't know what to say about that, except I think that's crazy. That's an opinion. It's an opinion. Don't freak out. That's all I got. I think it's... Talk to me later about why. Um, all right, the third option, which is the one that we really want to talk about. Uh, you, can, you can be friends, you can be engaged, or get ready, right? You can be not sure, right? It's a technical, theological term, not sure. Um, and so obviously, that spectrum's pretty wide, right, uh, pretty much every relationship you have with a single member of the opposite sex falls into there, uh, that you're at least, you're not sure, you're not ready to get married to this person, but you're willing to, you're willing to go on a date with them, um, you don't want to completely relegate them to the dreaded friend category, you don't know for sure that you don't see a future with them, but you're not ready to get married, right, the third category, not sure. Or you can maybe say that I'm not ready category. Um, and so one thing that I want, I want us to think about, I want you to see about the, the... And so this is where dating falls, right? Obviously. This is where the whole concept of what we call dating falls into this not sure category. And so what I want you to see tonight is that I think that you have to acknowledge... That the ultimate definition of your relationship, if you're dating and remember, I am for dating, promise. I'm for dating, and I don't want you to hear me say otherwise The ultimate definition of your relationship is one in which you're not sure how it's going to come out. And in some ways, you'd say, you really don't have any idea what the ultimate end of your relationship is going to be, right? Um, don't know for sure. Uh, so, here's where we get into it a little bit. If that's how we define dating, right, it's, it's this sort of weird middle category, then the question is, we're sort of back around to our original question of, so how do we act? You know, what, what behaviors or actions are appropriate to that definition? And I hope that already you're beginning, you begin to, to see that probably a lot of what we do, what we chalk up to regular dating behavior is probably out of step with the definition of the relationship, right? Um, so uh, this is sort of the point three, the problem of the not sure, because I would say it this way: that I think the main problem with our dating the way we date today is that our actions are out of step with the, the, the definition of what's going on there, and that what we tend to do is we tend to make our dating relationships like many marriages. And I'm, I'm actually not even talking about the se- sexual aspect now. You know, we, we talked about that, okay, you know, although that's a huge part of this, right, but put that aside for a second, I'm talking about all the other aspects that what we tend to do is make them like many marriages. Um, we bring in, we bring in really concepts of, of ownership, and we basically feel like we have rights over that person. That we own them. We're able to demand things of them, expect things of them. Like we talked about last uh, week, we bring rules into the. Um, you know, we, we have these rules that we don't talk about that we bring onto the, the relationship. And so we sort of exert ownership. We tend to exert ownership over our boyfriends or girlfriends. So here are a few examples of what it looks like. Um, just sort of ones that I came up with. I think they'll resonate, though. Number one. Uh, things like, when you get in fights over, why didn't you call me last night? Right? Um, the The expectation that Um, Boyfriends and girlfriends, you know, a boyfriend's supposed to call his girlfriend every night. Or, I mean, you usually do. Why why didn't you call me last night? And being, you know, being upset about it. And I would simply ask the question, why are you upset about that? Do you have the right to expect them, really to ask of them that they call you every night, or every other night, or, you know, whatever it is you feel is appropriate, right? And be mad about it. Um, give them the silent treatment um, number two this conversation which no doubt erupts often what do, you, what do you mean you're going out with your girlfriends tonight right the call on Friday afternoon like so hey I think we're going to you know, probably go over to so we're going to watch a movie or something like uh, well, actually I'm going out with my girlfriends tonight and then you know the, the fight starts right what do you mean you're going out with your girlfriends tonight well, they asked me. <laughs> you know um, you, you didn't. Um, and, and then the pouting begins, and the fighting begins, right? Because the idea is, um, because we're dating, your time you sort of owe your time to me. The, the assumption that your time defaults to being spent with me, right? Um, but do you have the right to expect out of somebody? Um, Number three, sort of the flip side of number two. Is it, uh, you know, the phone call goes, hey, would it be okay if I, whatever, would it be okay if I go out with my girlfriends? This weekend they asked me if I could go out. Is that cool with you? Um, Is it okay, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to go to your formal. Is that okay? Um, Think about that for a second. Is it okay, or will you allow me to do that? Yeah, is, you don't have any right, or, or I guess we have to say that the other way. You're not exercising a right. Don't don't act like the other person gets to own you, right? Um, but we say stuff like that all the time. Hey, is it okay if, with you if I do that? Um, do you really have to ask permission? We, we have people walking out right now. They're so mad. <laughs> um. Yeah, don't act like your boyfriend or girlfriend owns you because I'm trying to suggest to you that they don't. Um, And so, guys, this is a little freebie. Guys, if you want to spend time with your girlfriend, then ask them out, right? Don't just assume that your girlfriend, you know, is going to default spending time with you. Um, You don't have any right to ask that based on the definition of your relationship. All right, and then the last one that I think we're really going to push some buttons with and more people will walk out. All right, imagine this scenario. Girlfriend, says to boyfriend, so-and-so, Steve, right, Steve. Steve asked me to go, this is another guy. Steve asked me to go to the uh, row, row, row Christmas party with him. Get it? Row, row, row. It's a Greek organization. Um, and so assume that the girlfriend wants to go with Steve. Steve, the not-her-boyfriend guy? What do you think about that? Um, Why should... If she wants to go, why should she not say yes? Why should she not say yes to that? Um, I think the answer typically would come back something like, well, obviously because she's actually dating that other guy, right? To which I would ask... um, what about the definition of dating, at least as as we've talked about it, indicates that it's inappropriate for her to go spend a couple of hours with someone else and get to know them better? Right? Why is that inappropriate? And I think the answer would come back, um, well, that's fine, but she doesn't need to be dating the other guy. And I would just push it back to you. And just to think about it, right, why? Why is that inappropriate? Um, If she doesn't need to be dating that guy, if if by dating you mean being in some sort of ultra-exclusive, you know, um, rules-and-expectations-laden relationship, I would agree with you. Um, She doesn't need to go out with him. But if by dating you mean being in a relationship in which you mutually agree to spend to want to spend more time together to continue to see if your relationship could head to marriage if that's what dating really is which i'm maintaining and suggesting to you it is then why couldn't she go on that date with that guy and maintain her relationship with steve or with boyfriend all right so in that scenario though let's say that plays out what about this poor boyfriend right should he just sort of roll over and take it, you know, like, uh, how should he respond? Should he just get stepped, you know, sort of get stepped all over like that? Um, Because I think our reaction would be to say that that's what's happening, like, this poor guy is just getting, you know, trounced. Um, And I think the answer is pretty simple. If he doesn't like the fact that his girlfriend wants to go out with Steve, then he very simply just doesn't have to ask her out anymore. If you think about that, but it, but let's say he wants to he wants to keep this girl. He likes her. If he's smart, this is how he'll this is how he'll react. So you see, uh, boyfriend stands at sort of a crossroads, right? Girlfriend says, "Hey, Steve asked me to go to the formal. Well, you, I mean, you told him no, right? Well, I, oh, you didn't. So you want to go with him? Well, no, I'm not saying I want to." I want to go. I just was telling you that he asked me. and All right, so boyfriend stands at a crossroads, and I want you to think about this. He can go one of two ways, right? Imagine if he goes the way that every one of us, including myself, defaults to thinking that he should go because of what we think about dating, that he should go something along the lines of sort of standing on his rights, that's in quotes, about what a dating relationship is, and he says... You know he either pouts about like I mean fine yeah if you want to go with some other guys you know and acts like an idiot, um, guilt trips her into not going, you know, talks her out of it so that she maybe so that she even like apologizes I'm sorry that was just mean you know that I shouldn't even entertain that idea you're right because we're dating. Imagine anything down that line. Does he really win? I would suggest to you that, honestly, he, he does not really win if he goes that route, right? I mean, even if she doesn't go on the date, I mean, she, she wanted to, right? Did you really win that one, boyfriend? But imagine if he does this. Imagine if he takes a very, apparently bizarre course of action, and he says, okay, it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not that I want you to go out with Steve, but it is absolutely okay if you do i mean i know steve he's a great guy i hope you i mean you'll have a great time with him you're 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 absolutely free to go out with him if you'd like to sure i would bet that if 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 that guy had that response that immediately that girl starts to think twice about it She immediately starts to think a whole lot less of Steve, the guy that asked her out. Why? Because she's attracted to to that kind of confidence and that kind of um, self-assurance. A guy that knows himself and is secure enough in himself to, to say, you're absolutely free to go on that date because I don't find my identity and my self-worth uh, and my security in, in this. I, I want to go out with you more. I, I'm, I'm not pushing you to this other guy, but you're absolutely free to do that if you'd like to, because I don't own you. You're not mine. Um, th- th- what would happen is, is counterintuitive, that she would probably not be interested in going on that other date. And so let me, I, basically that's where I want to end, uh, with, this, with that illustration sort of... Uh, tie it up a little bit. What's the point? What am I driving at? What am I driving at in all of this? And this I think I would sum it up with one word. Freedom. I think again I'm for dating, but what I'm pushing for is for us to begin to think critically about dating and to bring some freedom to our dating lives. Right? The freedom to date somebody and not have to manipulate them so that they stay with you. Right, because you, you can't bear the thought of, of them walking out on you. The freedom to relate to somebody of the opposite sex and not feel owned by them. Freedom, freedom from the idolatry of finding your identity, finding who you are, right, being okay with yourself. Finding that wrapped up in how good or bad it's going with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Wouldn't it be great to be free from that, right? And be able to to look to engage with other people in such a way that you're not sucking the life out of them, right? And desperately hanging on to them. So much so that if the person that you're dating, which we didn't even get to get into the whole commitment thing about dating, that I don't think, or that there is no commitment in dating, but we we'll do that later. Um, so much so that you could look at that other person and say, you're free to go do that. I'm not going to be destroyed. You can do that. Um, I would bet that that sounds attractive to you. And I want to suggest to you that the way that we talk about it every week, every week that we've talked about relationships, how can you find that? <laughs> what is it that would motivate somebody to be able to act like that, to be okay enough for themselves to do that? And I would suggest to you that really the only thing that will truly do that to you is the gospel. The, the truth, the, the good news of Jesus Christ is the only thing that's going to be able to work in your heart in such a way that you actually will begin to look at other people in your own life and have freedom. And if that sounds like a stretch, I, I understand that, but I want to suggest to you that it's not. Because the gospel comes along with the news that you can quit worrying about if those things are, basically we want to hang on to our relationships because we're scared that if we get rejected that that's what's true about us. We're not worth it. We're not good enough. right? Rejection ultimately means, hey, I've seen you, I know all about you, and I don't like it. And we're scared to death of it because we're afraid that that's true about us. And the gospel comes along, and this might sound funny, but I don't mean it funny. The gospel comes along and the first thing it says is, hey, you can quit worrying about it because it's, it's so much more true about you than you know you are, you are far worse than you have any idea. You are far less um, worthy of affection, and you're far more rejectable than you know. But because of the way God loves us in Jesus Christ, even though you're far more sinful and, and worse off than you know, you are far more loved than you could ever imagine. And so you can let let in the pain of, of the fact that I'm afraid that might be true about me. You can let it in and say, you know what, it is true about me. Because the gospel comes along and says, in the gospel God says, it is true and I can make it untrue. Because he gives us, he gives us the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that what he says of Jesus in our passage is true of us. So that God the Father, the one that made you, can look at you and does look at you if you trust him in faith and he says this is my son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. And if you have that if you have that definition of a relationship it gives you freedom, uh, lets you operate freely in all your others. That's what I'm driving at. Let's pray. Lord Jesus we pray that that would be true. Uh, We give you great praise uh, that we sing to and attest to every week that that is true, that you would love the unlovely, that you would uh, that you would give of yourself to those uh, that were your enemies, and that you would do it simply because you loved us. Father, I pray that that the truth of that would reign in our hearts tonight, of every person in here. And if it's not true, Lord, we pray that you would make it so. We pray that that truth would transform the way we think about all of our relationships so that we might actually love other people and operate with with freedom from ourselves and from others. Lord Jesus, we pray that it would be true. We thank you that it is. We pray in your name.